You're listening to Toy Drive Live as we broadcast for 24 straight hours and make one final push for the 14th annual Fan Toy Drive for Children's Wisconsin, presented by Annex Wealth Management. Go to 1250amthefan.com now and click on the Toy Drive link to donate money or toys from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Back to your hosts of this hour, Evan Heffelfinger, Dan Plucker, and Sam Schmitz on The Fan. Welcome in. It's hour nine of Toy Drive Live. I am Dan Plucker, the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show, alongside Evan Heffelfinger, the associate producer of the entire Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network, and one Samuel Schmitz, the Swiss Army Knife, we like to call him, of the fan. He does a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and now the three of us taking over here at 2 a.m., Central time here in Milwaukee. Guys, it's so cool. We're on the air. We're live. This is happening. It's happening. We're on, and it's you know what the best part is? It's for a great cause. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's dig into the toy drive a little bit, guys. Let's start off with that. Talk about its importance, and it's so easy for all of you to get involved. Listen, this is all you have to do. We're not asking for, you know, thousands of dollars. I mean, if you can, that would be great, but we, we understand the world that we live in today and where we are as a nation right now. But we hope that you can reach into your pockets and go to our website, 1250amthefan.com. Hit the toy drive link right there. It's the very first article that you will see. Scroll down, click here. It says donate here. Hit that button and then just give whatever you can. Give whatever you can. I'm going to give. I'm sure Sam will as well. Evan will do the same. All we're trying to do is during this holiday season, put a smile on a kid's face who may not be going through the best time right now because these toys, they go to children in need. We're helping Children's Wisconsin. This is presented by Annex Wealth Wealth Management um, and Blaine's Farm and Fleet as well. Guys, we're so thankful for all of them helping out, and we hope that you can help out too. Uh, Sam, why don't you start us off? Tell, tell me kind of what the toy drive means to you and your experiences so far in the first two or three years that you've been a part of this. Well, I'll just say this. I mean, first and foremost, 2020, we all know about the jokes and all that and everything that's happened. 2020 has been, just been terrible. And not only do I feel bad for like, you know, high school seniors, college, college seniors and athletics and stuff like that, but it really, I didn't think about it until our toy drive started it really is hurting the kids more than anything that they have to deal with the pandemic and then this on top of it and anything that we can do. I mean, they shouldn't have to suffer at all and they should have to be going through this. So anything that we can do, I mean, you guys like $5 for a toy donation goes a long way. You'd be surprised on like the t- the types of toys they have available on this website that you can go and donate for. I mean, I'm just happy that I'm part of a station that's part of a good cause right now that we're really making a difference every single year. We somehow, it, it blows my mind. That's probably the thing that I'm most proud about is like every year we somehow like are able to top ourselves when it comes to our total donations and stuff like that. And that's a big shout out to the listeners and, you know, all the fire departments that are you know, big help and all that. And everybody really who takes charge in this toy drive, we get, we can't thank you guys enough for this great cause. Evan, what about you, man? I mean, yeah, I'm, there's, there's so many things that can be said about this. I love that this is a thing that our station does. I love that it's something that, I can attach my name to, and I know that it's going to do some really, really great things for our local kids that definitely need a pick me up at this time of year. Yeah. 2020 has not been fun. Uh, (laughs) I think that's an understatement. 
And I, you know, our, my heart goes out for those kids that have spent a lot of 2020, not only dealing with, you know, cancer and coronavirus in the hospital, but a lot of them have to do it by themselves too, because some of the hospitals are limiting who can come in and out just because obviously they don't want to increase risk. So just giving any amount of money for these kids is, I cannot recommend it enough. Like Dan said, I will definitely be making a contribution. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad that the station is giving us a little bit of airtime and I'm glad that like Dan said, it's going to a really great cause. I mean, all that I want to do is make sure that these kids have a great Christmas and with your help and with a little bit of our help, they're right on their way to having a good Christmas. So I just, I can't be more proud of all the work that our station is doing on this toy drive. Absolutely. And as excited as I am, and I'm sure you guys are to be hosting a show, even at 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. and this wild time slot, uh, I'm even more thankful to be a part of something so much bigger than that. And that's what this is. And we again, we just really hope that you can go to 1250amthefan.com, hit the toy drive link. It's the first article there. And donate whatever you can. You know, whatever you can. Let's dig into sports a little bit here now. And an opportunity for some of you that may not be used to local radio, local sports talk radio at 2 a.m. in the morning. We want you to call in 414-799-1250. You can tweet at us at 1250 a.m. The Fan. Guys, it's your opportunity as well to be heard at a time you normally aren't. Today on the show, we will be... Uh, talking to Kane Pittman at 348 Locked On Bucks, ESPN Australia reporter. He's on the Bucks beat, and it works out perfectly because we're on right now in the middle of the night in Milwaukee. Well, you know, it's, I believe right now, 7 o'clock in Australia time, 8 o'clock, something along those lines. And so it's it's like just approaching the evening time for him. Works out great. We're really appreciative of ha- having him on. Uh, we'll talk about some of the Brewers moves, um, who they tendered, who's back on the team this year, who's not. And somehow they have six catchers on the roster. Don't know what's going on there. Uh, we'll talk about the NFC North. What's kind of happening going forward there? Are the Packers in the best spot out of all the other teams? I mean, the Lions are firing a head coach. Looks like the Bears might be on the same wavelength. We'll be talking about that at 3 a.m. And now to start off the show, guys, who are the legitimate threats to the Packers in the NFC? We've got several teams kind of, we've been talking about it all year on the fan. All of our daily shows have been talking about Like, well, let's rank up the NFC teams. Who's really up there? It changes every week. As Gary likes to say, it's a fluid situation. (laughs) Uh, And now we have a couple that have kind of showed their true faces over the last couple of weeks. So, Sam, let's start with you. Who do you think is like, let's start with like number three. Like who is who is kind of up there, maybe has a shot of dethroning the Packers this year? I just want to say this, too, before we get into the argument, too, is like, I think it's it's such a difference like between the NFC and the AFC. Like we know in the AFC, like who those top three, four teams are. Absolutely. But I mean, when you look at the NFC, like when you started the season, week ones through three, it was the Seattle Seahawks and let Russ Cook and Russell Wilson and all that. Week two, you had you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are they legit Super Bowl contenders and all that? And now. As we move on, it was a little bit of the Saints here and there. So now you look at all these teams; they're just as flawed as the Green Bay Packers. So I'm glad we're diving into this because really, there's not a whole lot of teams that, when I look in the future and all the what can happen to the playoffs, there's not a lot of teams that really scare me in the AFC. But number three, 
This one you guys might be a little shocked about considering what I've said about them in the past, but with their defense, you got to take them serious, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. I know. I mean, I had a feeling you were going there. Yeah, I mean, you guys know I'm not big on the L.A. Rams. I will say this. I'm not a big fan of their offense. I think it's kind of embarrassing that Sean McVay still has to kind of hold Jared Goff's hand at the line of scrimmage while he basically, you know, breaks down the entire offense for him before the ball is snapped. But the reason I'm so infatuated with the L.A. Rams, their defense, I can say without a doubt, is the number two defense in all football, right behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Baltimore Ravens kind of took a step down with all the injuries that have happened, with Calais Campbell and stuff like that. And Aaron Donald, we all know it. If you're going to start your team, you know, as a, if you're a GM and all that, and you had to have a fantasy football draft of all these players, you're probably taking Patrick Mahomes number one and number two. The best defensive player in all of football is Aaron Donald. But you got Jalen Ramsey, who's probably having one of his best seasons. He's really evolved into a great leader for that team. So I'm just, I think that defense can carry them a long way. Similar to their Super Bowl run that they had a couple of years ago with almost lesser players on defense, guys who are a little bit older and stuff like that. So that's my number three team. Evan, what about you? Who's your kind of like NFC contender that you're a little bit afraid of, but you know there's teams ahead of them that you're come playoff time, you're a little more afraid of? See, it's so tough because there are, I mean, <laughs> how many teams have we thought have been like, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're a threat, and then they lose horrifically the next like three weeks. Like, uh, if you had asked me two weeks ago, it might have been the Cardinals. Um, the Rams still could be up there. The Buccaneers, I just, there are so many teams that are kind of up there, but kind of aren't. I think number three, I'm going to have to go with the Buccaneers. They still have Tom Brady. And if you know me, you know I'm not a big Tom Brady fan, but he gets it done. Bruce Arians is a good coach. That offense has all the firepower in the world. They have no excuse to not be good. The defense has been a little bit suspect, but they still have a really good pass rush. We saw what they can do against the Packers. I mean, that was that was one of the worst games of the season, obviously, for the Packers. But they, they looked bad a couple weeks ago. They barely beat the Giants. They lost pretty bad. I think I still have to put them as probably the third best team to – go up against the Packers in the NFC. For myself, I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks. And I know they've not been the greatest team the last couple of weeks. Russell Wilson has kind of fallen out of the MVP conversation uh, with two losses in the last four weeks to the Bills and the Rams, as Sam mentioned. But the fact of the matter is, I would be mortified of this offense, not their defense. I, I If the Packers and the Seahawks faced off, it would be a really interesting battle and it would be a shootout. Like neither team's defense would be adequate enough to stop the other. I don't think, I mean, Jair versus DK Metcalf would be the battle of the century that those two going up head to head or Kevin King, he could be a bigger receiver. Could right. be Kevin King. It, it's, it's that, that, that combo of our secondary versus the Seahawks wide receiver group is so interesting. And then you have the battle of, two of the best quarterbacks of this generation and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, both with just one Super Bowl ring looking for more and with rather depleted rosters compared to what they had in those Super Bowl years. And the Seahawks defense, I know I get it. It's bad. It, they can't, they can't slow anybody down right now, but Car- the addition of Carlos Dunlap has been good for the team so far. Uh, Jamal Adams, the safety he's back, he's healthy and he was out for a couple of weeks as well. They're either the Seahawks are either on or they're 
way off, and they're losing games by a lot, and it's not close. They 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 allow a ton of points, so like I said, it would be a shootout. The Packers would put up a bunch of points. Seahawks would be right next to them. I would give the Packers the slight edge there, but it would be such a fun battle to see between those two teams. Yeah, and and to your point, we did see a little bit of a preview. Granted, the Seahawks were a lot more depleted in last year's playoffs when these two teams did face off in the divisional round, but that being said, granted, uh, the Seattle Seahawks were deploying a just-retired Marshawn Lynch who was serving tequila shots at a bar a couple weeks before he got called to the Seattle Seahawks and playing a playoff game and all that. So Jair Alexander and Kevin King were able to key on DK and Tyler Lockett a little more, but to their credit, they played pretty well in that game, all things considered. DK was almost non-existent to a point, so I agree. I think if Chris Carson stays healthy and these teams find themselves in the playoffs again, I do want to talk about these teams a little more when we return from break because the Buccaneers and the Seahawks, I think everybody knows that they're in that conversation, but really where do they rank and how, how much should we fear them compared to the Packers? Absolutely. All right. We'll give you our next two teams here on uh, the producers. This is Dan Plucker, Evan Heffelfinger, Sam Schmitz. It's toy drive live. Donate, donate, donate at 1250 AM, the fan.com. You're listening to Toy Drive Live as we broadcast for 24 straight hours and make one final push for the 14th annual Fan Toy Drive for Children's Wisconsin, presented by Annex Wealth Management. Go to 1250amthefan.com now and click on the Toy Drive link to donate money or toys from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Back to your hosts of this hour, Evan Heffelfinger, Dan Plucker, and Sam Schmitz on The Fan. If you're just getting off of work and you're thinking, hey, what the heck is going on? There's live local radio right now at 2 a.m. You're not too crazy. You're not that tired. Grab some coffee still unless you're going home to sleep. It's live. It's me, myself, Dan Plucker, Evan Heffelfinger, Sam Schmitz, the producers taking over here at Toy Drive Live Benefiting Children's Wisconsin. Guys, go to 1250amthefan.com, hit the first article, and donate, donate, donate now. Today is your last day to do it. We're in the waning hours of this thing, and we need your donations to help Children's Wisconsin and children in need in hospitals in our state now. Now. We need it now. We need your help. Please help us. Uh, Guys, before we hit to the break, we were talking about the Seattle Seahawks and the threat that they are and could be to the Packers if the two would face off in the playoffs for the second straight year. And we wanted to dive into that just a little bit more. Sam, what are your thoughts about the Seattle Seahawks and kind of how they line up against the Packers? Yeah, I'm kind of curious what everybody else has, all these teams ranked as far as best to worst. And if you guys wanted to call, you can join in 414-799-1250 to give your thoughts on who you think is the top threat to the Packers in the NFC going forward. But because we all, we all kind of have the same three teams, I think, but they're all in different orders, it looks like. And for me, Seattle's number one when it comes to who is the biggest threat in the NFC. And I know, look, I know they're their own worst enemy right now against the Eagles right there. It looked like Russell Wilson was still forcing it to DK Metcalf, which is why I think he's been, you know, turning it over so much in here and there. But the reason I think the Seattle Seahawks are that team is, like Dan said, they're getting better on defense. They're getting healthier. Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams are – you know, Jamal Adams is back, and Carlos Dunlap has been everything they can imagine for the trade acquisition, but you can never count out Russell Wilson. Yeah, for sure. Evan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the Seahawks are my number two, just going right to it. That offense is absolutely elite. I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, is – I mean, it's hard to be underrated when everyone says that he's underrated, 
but he's underrated. That um, I mean, how is there a better one-two punch than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? And you have a really good quarterback throwing them the ball to boot. Uh, uh, Carson, I love him as a running back. I, he's finally healthy, but they also have Carlos Hyde as their backup, which is another really good, really under uh, appreciated running back. So that offense, if they were to go up against the Packers in the AFC like or in the NFC uh, playoffs, it would be an absolute shootout. And one that the Packers might not have enough firepower to get past. That defense is abysmal. It's very, very bad, but it's getting better. They're starting to look more like a cohesive team. And I think that come playoff times, because they've been there before, they can stop shooting themselves in the foot. And they are the number two team for me in the NFC that could face a, or could be a problem for the Packers. Right, and well, when you think about it, the best teams in football always have the next man up mentality. It doesn't matter where you're playing. It could be high school, college, NFL, and that's what the Seahawks have. I mean, think of all of the injuries. We just listed off some of them. It goes on and on and on, but they still produce, and they're still in football games every single week. They were down to their third and fourth running backs in DJ Dallas and Travis Homer at one point, and Russell Wilson currently leads the team in rushing yards. I was just looking it up. He has 379. Next closest is Chris Carson with 364. Yeah, That's just crazy to think about. I was going to ask you guys real quick. Do you think Seattle's success comes down to Chris Carson staying healthy? Because you look at the past couple weeks when Russell didn't have Chris Carson, and we know how much Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. Russell Wilson looked almost pedestrian at some points against the Bills and some of that. So I don't know, because last year I like to think about that Seattle team was still deadly, but they didn't have Chris Carson. So maybe does it come down to their run game staying healthy? I mean, it is. If you look at the Packers, their offense succeeds because they have that run pass option. They keep you honest with the play action where Rodgers can do his magic. And then if they're playing for the pass, you go to Aaron Jones and he runs it for eight yards. That's exactly what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks do is they can keep defenses honest with a guy like Chris Carson. Now, Carlos Hyde, he could still be that guy, like Dan said, that next man up mentality. But Chris Carson is such a dynamic runner I mean, combined with two dynamic receivers, they play so well off of each other. I think it is pretty fair to say that it is all on Chris Carson, if not Russell Wilson. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Zach in Menominee Falls, you're on Toy Drive Live with Dan, Sam, and Evan. Dan, Sam, and Evan, how are you guys doing? Good, how are you, Zach? Good, glad to see you guys have some stuff going in the middle of the night now. I'm third shift, and... Usually I gotta wait till five AM for the pregame show. This is uh, a good change of pace. Yeah, glad you're getting the opportunity to hop on with us. What do you got for us? Yeah, so about NFC contenders, um, I think there's kind of four people you gotta think about and you guys already touched on that. Seattle, Rams, Bucks, and New Orleans. Um, when I think about who has the best shot against the Packers, I think about who's got a run game and who has fast linebackers. Um, the linebackers have given us a problem against Aaron Jones and Jamal this year. Um, so when I look at those two things, I see New Orleans. They've got a good run game in Kamara and Murray. Either of those guys can do some some big damage. Um, as of late, we've been seeing that. And then they got fast linebackers. I can't think of that. Who's their 
who's their main guy at linebacker. Oh, Demario Davis. Yeah, he's an absolute animal. Might be the best in the NFL right now. He can cover receivers. He can cover backs. So I know we beat them already, but if Drew Brees is back in the playoffs and they're playing at home, maybe with some fans in that dome, um, they're going to be tough. So I'm hoping we get the, I'm hoping we get a higher seed than them um, because they concern me the most as far as the other three. I feel like all of the other three teams I mentioned only have one of those two things. Seattle's got Chris Carson, but I'm not worried about their defense. The Rams have a great D-line and, and good linebackers, but I'm not that worried about Jared Goff. And the Bucks have a great defense and fast linebackers as well. But, again, I'm not – I know they, they wrecked us, but that was just a weird game. I think uh, Jair and King can do great against – did Jair and King both play in that game against the Bucks? I know Jair did. I'm not sure about Kevin King because he had that quad injury earlier on the season, but I can say Jair for sure, yeah. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident with those guys against Evans and Godwin and, and those guys. Um, so I think we can beat any of the teams. I guess my point is I think we can beat any of those four, but I think New Orleans will give us the toughest run, I think. Zach, thanks for the call. And that was the perfect Paul Blart segue here into <laughs> our next – uh, team here. We were about to break down the Saints. Guys, I, I think personally, he was spot on. The Saints are the team that worry me the most when yeah. it comes to a potential playoff matchup. Because if you think about it, the Packers beat them by seven points without Michael Thomas. Yeah. And with Drew Brees playing really poor football to open up the year. I mean, it looked like he could not throw the ball over 20 yards through the air. That's obviously changed in the last couple of weeks. Well, not really because he's hurt now with the rib injury. But if if they are fully healthy, that Saints team is a huge concern. A huge concern. They, they have the defense, they have the weapons offensively, and they have the veteran quarterback who's been there before, who's won a Super Bowl, and obviously Sean Payton being one of the best coaches in the league. Evan, what are your thoughts on the Saints? Yeah, they're my number one team. It's not even close. The Packers, I don't want to say they got lucky facing them when they did, but in a way they got a little bit lucky facing the Saints at that time. Uh, Michael Thomas is absurd. And no matter how good Jair is, I think he's a top three cornerback in the NFL. That's still a hell of a matchup for a guy like Jair. Yeah, Michael Um, Thomas is still going to get his against Jair. (laughs) Right. Yeah, there's no one that's stopping Michael Thomas. You can only hope to slow him down. And then with how dynamic Alvin Kamara can be, that's an absolute nightmare for the Packers because which linebacker are you going to have spying Kamara? You really can't dedicate the manpower to stopping those guys. Drew Brees has that veteran savvy, and yeah, he's lost his step. He's 43 years old. That kind of happens at that point, but he's been there before. He knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl. So combine that with a really underrated defense and a lot of playmakers on that defense, there's no reason that they shouldn't be the team to beat the Packers. I mean, I think they're probably the number one team in the NFC right now. Yeah, a couple of things I wanted to touch on with the Saints, and I'm glad you and Zach, who called in on 414-799-1250, you guys want to give your thoughts on who you guys think is the legit threat to the Packers in the NFC. You guys were alluding to it. Their defense, more than anybody else, I think is – when healthy, I agree, is almost can be right up there as the best in the NFC because, like you said, Demario Davis has been a leader for that New Orleans Saints team ever since he got in. But I just thought about it. Like, really, all these other all these other NFC contenders, the Saints are the only one with a lockdown corner like Marshawn Lattimore. 
who can right. follow Devontae Adams. And granted, like we said with Michael Thomas and Jair, Devontae is still going to get his against Marshawn Lattimore, but it's going to be limited. I mean, he just purely dominates Mike Evans whenever he faces him. So you, t- you top of that. But I do want to bring this up because it's kind of another devil's advocate like we did with the Seahawks just a couple minutes ago is when Taysom Hill gives the reins back to Drew Brees, it's probably going to be, if they do face us, It's and, and like the Buccaneers too, it's probably going to be in Green Bay. And that's huge for us. I mean, that's just a whole other X factor. And then we have to think about how healthy really is Drew Brees going to be if we do face him. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my thing is, I don't, I don't really know how much the Saints coming to Green Bay is going to impact it. It would be a lot if there were fans. Um, and there could be a couple fans in the stands, for sure. There could be a, a couple Packers fans in those seats. But, but I'm just talking about the weather. I, don't, I understand with the weather as well. Big thing with the Buccaneers, too. Like, give me the Buccaneers, like a rematch in the playoffs in Lambeau. And I think it's a completely different game from what you saw in week, what, I don't know, what week three or four it was. Yeah, and it, it's great that the Packers do have that tiebreaker so that if the Packers do win out and the Saints do lose out, hypothetically, I mean, the NFC runs through Lambeau Field, which would be huge. Uh, but... What we saw in that Saints game was Drew Brees literally almost every single play throwing the ball to Alvin Kamara in the flat, and then Kamara running with the ball from there. It was all yak yards. I think he sc- he scored that ridiculous touchdown where like six Packers missed tackles yeah, on him. Maybe we don't bring that up, Dan. Some <laughs> of us still I haven't gotten that over that. <laughs> yeah, can we just not? But what what I'm saying is that you even in the cold in the wind, Drew Brees can make that ten yard throw. Oh yeah. To Alvin Kamara in the flat, and I think that's the same game plan. You come with the exact same thing. I mean, it, it obviously had success. Your defense didn't do enough to slow down the Packers' offense and what they were trying to do. And also, to be fair, Devontae Adams didn't play in that game. Yeah, that's, against that's the a Saints. good point. Yep. It was Alan Lazard's big day. Alan Lazard took over, and then he unfortunately got hurt as well. But So as much as we talk about, oh, well, Michael Thomas wasn't in that game, it was kind of a wash, well, the Packers didn't have Devontae Adams either. So I think that's a really important thing uh, to look at going into that. Uh, Guys, let's hit another break here. When we come back, we got one more team I want to talk about. I want to touch on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when we come back here on Half Sam and Dan on The Fan. It's the producers. Donate, donate, donate now. 1250amthefan.com. Just follow that link. Donate there and help children in need in hospitals in Wisconsin with Children's Wisconsin and Annex Annex Wealth Management brought to you by them and Blaine's Farm and Fleet as well. We'll be right back in about three minutes. You're listening to Toy Drive Live as we broadcast for 24 straight hours and make one final push for the 14th annual Fan Toy Drive for Children's Wisconsin, presented by Annex Wealth Management. Go to 1250amthefan.com now and click on the Toy Drive link to donate money or toys from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Back to your hosts of this hour, Evan Heffelfinger, Dan Plucker, and Sam Schmitz on The Fan. Third shifters, insomniacs, gamers staying up late, listening to a little bit of a radio. Welcome in. Continue to call us 414-799-1250 as we talk about the biggest threats to the Packers in the NFC. I'm Dan Plucker, the executive producer of The Big Show, alongside Sam Schmitz, the Swiss Army Knife of the station, and Evan Heffelfinger, the associate producer of the entire Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We've talked Seahawks. We've talked Saints. We talked a little bit about the Rams. Now, let's talk about the one team that's actually beat the Packers this year and beat them badly in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Packers suffering that loss in Tampa Bay. 
Uh, what was the final score there? It was, I'm pulling it up as we speak, 38-10. to 10, The Buccaneers steamrolled the Packers in that game. But none of us put them as their, the number one threat to the Packers going forward in the playoffs. And I want to pick your brain, Sam. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think I said this in the last podcast we had, and I still believe it ever since the last couple of weeks that I've seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their offensive line's a problem. And it's not going to get... It's not going to fix itself anytime soon. And if you have Tom Brady, what's the number one thing you need to worry about when you have Tom Brady? Make sure he's got time to throw it. Otherwise, you know, all hell breaks. So it's basically for your offense. And basically what I've been able to see is like, look, when they face teams with good, good defensive lines like the L.A. Rams and even the Kansas City Chiefs this past week with Chris Jones and them, it's a problem. And Tom Brady just looks pedestrian. And another point is I just think there's too many mouths to feed. When you got when you bring in Antonio Brown, who he's clearly trying to force it to at some points, and we saw in the first game with Antonio Brown, it was a problem and it led to interceptions. Uh, you got to also feed Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronkowski. And look, Ronald Jones is good, but I don't think he, you know he's your week to week every you know every every week starter and all that. So look, I just, I just see flaws in their teams. Their their defense is good, but for some reason I I don't know why it sometimes isn't what we hyped it up to be in the past couple of weeks, and sometimes it is. So. I don't know. I just see too many flaws. And the thing I'm not threatened about is if I do see them again in, in you know, against the Packers, I know it's going to be in the playoffs and more than likely we're going to have that home field advantage. And I think when I was talking about that last point, I, I, I like the weather thing more for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than the New Orleans Saints. Cause I agree. It doesn't do much for the Saints, but man, bring Tom Brady in the cold and you got all those guys like Bruce Arians and them in green Bay when it's, you know, negative, whatever. I like our odds. Yeah, I'd say for the rest of the Tampa Bay roster, but you have to remember Tom Brady played in Foxborough. It's not like he was playing in sunshine and rainbows every single week when for his entire career right. and all of the playoff runs but, that he's made with the Patriots. But this team hasn't dealt with it this season, though. That's, they're still gelling Fair. together, and they're still figuring things out. Right. And you add that against the Green Bay Packers, how efficient they've been. I don't know. I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not afraid of them based on what they did in the last game. I, no doubt. And, and well, well, one point that you did break up also that I want to refute is – uh, having too many mouths to feed. And yes, while that could be an issue, it also means they have so many ways to beat you. And they've, they have so many different weapons that could go out there any given Sunday and completely take over a football game. Mike Evans is certainly capable of that. We've seen Chris Godwin do it. Antonio Brown has made a career out of it when he's actually been playing in the NFL. And for running backs, sure, Fournette and um, Ronald Jones, they're threats for sure. They can do it as well, not necessarily at the same pace as the wide receiving core that they have. Uh, and then Gronk, he had a huge game against the Packers in that game as well. And the Packers, for whatever reason, were lining up linebackers like Oren Burks against him, and he was burning him left and right. So that's where it concerns me. I think that they're still trying to figure out how to merge this offense together. I mean, this is only, what, the third, fourth week that Antonio Brown has actually been on the Buccaneers roster and playing with the team on a routine basis. They have a lot of time to figure things out still, and they're playing some really bad opponents going forward here. I mean, the Vikings are surging. Don't get me wrong. That's their next opponent. Then they still play the Falcons twice this year, who are 4-2 and two since they fired Dan Quinn, so they're playing better football. Um, but one team that's not is the Detroit Lions, who they go oh, yeah. to Detroit, play them in Ford Field, and that's going to be a nightmare game as a Lions fan. I'm mortified for that. But those four games are all very winnable football games. Now, it's not going to be enough to win them the NFC. They're not going to be the number one seed coming out uh, whatsoever. I think the Saints, it'll, it's going to be one of three teams, and that's the Saints, 
Seahawks or Packers. So that's where things go well here for Green Bay. But this is a matchup that would that would scare me. Again, if the Packers do line up with Tampa Bay in the playoffs, it's it's a slight notch below the Saints, in my opinion, just because of all of the weapons and that staunch defense. I mean, you talked about the offensive line and their struggles, sure, but they've also had a couple of injuries here and there where a couple guys have missed games uh, separately in a couple of different weeks. I think Ali Marpet, uh, right. their starting left but guard, not, missed a couple of games. They're not coming but, back, though. You know, sure. Uh, but but defensively speaking, I mean, our caller Zach from Menominee Falls, he said it. Um, I'm f- scared of their linebackers, Devin White. And um, what's the other one there? And I can't uh, think of his Levante name. Davis. Levante David. Yep. Thank you. Those two guys wreaked havoc on the Packers in that game. And that that's what really concerns me. Can Rodgers look away from Devontae Adams and to his other weapons against the big teams like Tampa Bay because that's what we saw in that game against the Bucs. That's why there were back-to-back interceptions thrown out of the arm of Aaron Rodgers is because he was looking directly for Devontae Adams and no one else on both of those out routes, and he was picked off both times. I agree with almost everything you said, and I think it's a fair point, but the offensive line for them really just takes away a lot from what I'm afraid of when I because you I think you're right they'll figure it out with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans and that Mike Evans and Brady are still trying to figure out their connection but you saw when it's on it's working just as good as it was with Jameis Winston and you know I, I agree the weapons are lethal and matching up against the Packers yeah Gronkowski is still going to be an issue but I just think man based on that defensive offensive line. And to be fair, the Packers, that was the first time they did face a real team. So I think when you're when you're coasting in the first couple of weeks like that, and then all of a sudden, boom, you get you know punched in the mouth, basically, I think it's a, whoa, okay, we got to figure out things. So I, I, I'm excited to see if they do face again how Matt LaFleur adjusts and how Aaron Rodgers does. Because I think if there's, you know, Sean Payton in them and Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, I think are the only two teams that really could adjust. Granted, the Saints have beaten them twice, so it's not like they need to figure anything right. out. Right. But I'm just saying, like, you know, second time around, everything you said is almost true, but I just think it's going to be a way more competitive game, more a lot closer. And if it's closer, Packers got a shot. 414-799-1250 if you want to chime in. Now, Evan, or Sam, we've been talking about all of the threats to the Packers. Now I want you and I here to talk about the Packers mm-hmm. and talk about why we think they are a threat, not only to surge into the playoffs and perform well, because I, I mean, a lot of a lot of what our station and many station does is like doomsday. Like, oh, the Packers could face the Rams in the first round, and that's not a great matchup. Yeah. But but let's like praise the Packers for what they are here. They're a dang good football team. They are, and they they have the potential. And right now, in my opinion, are probably the top team in the NFC. Yeah. So so Sam, explain to me why you think that is. Why do you think the Packers deserve more credit than they're maybe receiving? I do think as of now, they are the best team in the NFC, and that's because man, when Aaron Rodgers is spewing comments about, and granted, you know, you can either love or hate what he says about him not being done and all that, and who you think he's taking shots at, but when he's got that kind of confidence, and after what I heard about, granted, they played the Bears and all that, but after what I heard on Sunday about him complimenting LaFleur and then the floor compliment Aaron Rodgers back and just talking about the simplicity of the offense. And then you can you can see it when the play calls is like, okay, I want to run this, but I want to run it the opposite way. And they're they're on the same page and all that. So that's really got me encouraged. And then there's certain position groups that I think are just, you know, deal breakers. When you go against different teams, 
that tight end group, we, we talk about how before Alan Lazard came back, we need a number two. We need to trade for so-and-so. We need to get this guy. We need to bring in a wide receiver and all that. That tight end group of Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, and Jay Sternberger makes up for a lot of what you don't have, and I think it creates a lot of issues because you can do so many you can do so many things with those tight ends. Like Mercedes Lewis, yeah, he's a great blocker, but now you're seeing he's a great goal line specialist. Dude now. is the sneakiest guy in the NFL, and I love it. He when, is. I love it when Big Dog gets a touchdown because all of a sudden you see all the guys huddle around him and bark and. Aaron Rodgers said it on Pat McAfee's show. Nobody, nobody's happier than the entire team when Mercedes Lewis gets a touchdown. It's crazy. And the thing is, like, it's because nobody thinks of him anymore as uh, the receiving threat that he is. Like, yeah. he's a big tight end, and he's that's why they call him Big Dog. And, right. and he, but he's used primarily in Green Bay as a blocker. So when he does do those block, block, release slips on the goal line, is wide open in the flat, and Aaron Rodgers literally has to just toss one up to him because it's easy. I mean. It's great. It's great. It's it's such an underrated part of the offense when they're at the goal line because it's just another thing you have to worry about. I mean, we've we or Dan Orlovsky broke down that play mm-hmm. um, against the Bears on the goal line where they brought Irvin in motion and then Devontae went the opposite way. And there's just so much to keep track of when the Packers are on the goal line and it all looks exactly the same. The yeah. runs, the passes, it all looks exactly the same. So to add in that little threat of a little pop pass to Mercedes Lewis is just another element that teams have to watch out for. Robert Tunyon's an emerging target, and I think he's going to be a great tight end for the future that we've been looking for the for the, for the past couple of years. And Jay Sternberger is a sneaky guy who, on, the, on those play-action plays, is going to get you you know two or three big, crucial receptions that turn out to be like big first downs and stuff like that. So... Like I said, the tight end group really makes for what we what we think we miss on offense as fans. But all that being said, I want to be a realist is that I think the only way the Packers compete with these teams like the Buccaneers and all that, they got to get out to a lead. Because I, I know as much as I've been praising them, I just said that the number one team in the NFC, it's because that offense is so efficient. And I'll admit that defensive line's an issue. I wanted them to get... Uh, Kenny Clark some help before the season started. They didn't for some reason. Okay, I guess you're fine with uh, Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry trying to plug up the holes. Uh, Good luck to you. But, yeah, the only way that the Packers are going to be able to really, you know, keep up with the marathon of these other teams if they do face in the playoffs, like the Buccaneers or the Saints with Drew Brees back, they got to get out to a lead and they got to, you know, keep their foot in the gas. No, I I wholeheartedly agree, and that's kind of been – the issue for the Packers so far this season in the games that they have lost is, I mean, against the Buccaneers, they had the quick start. They put up 10 points right away, but then they hit that brick wall. And it seems like whenever their their offense slows down, they really, really struggle to recover. And that's not a great thing for a team that's aspiring for a Super Bowl run where where we just saw in last year's Super Bowl. I mean, the Chiefs were down, what was it, 10, 11 points heading into the fourth quarter, and they surged back and beat the 49ers. That's the kind of thing that I need to see the Packers do. Yeah. I, I, I that To give me full confidence in saying, okay, this is going to be the NFC's representative in the Super Bowl. I need to see them and Aaron Rodgers lead them to a comeback because so far in every game they've lost, it's been because of a collapse at some point on either side of the ball, usually starting with the offense. They they had four turnovers against the Colts. Two of them were self-inflicted, and they still were somehow in that game in the final seconds of it, which is just insane. It is insane. Uh, and what else is insane is we need your help. We do. The fan needs your help. Children's of Wisconsin needs your help because it's sad and it's insane 
that some children have to be dealing with certain health issues being in the hospital around Christmas time. Guys, please, if you can, go to 1250amthefan.com, hit our toy drive link, and donate there. You can pick a toy if you'd like. You can make a cash donation. We need your help. Please go onto our website, donate today, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the football game that we saw yesterday on a Wednesday afternoon. Wild. And it was what you would expect an NFL Wednesday afternoon game to be. We'll break it down next here on The Producers. You're listening to Toy Drive Live as we broadcast for 24 straight hours and make one final push for the 14th annual Fan Toy Drive for Children's Wisconsin, presented by NX Wealth Management. Go to 1250amthefan.com now and click on the Toy Drive link to donate money or toys from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Back to your hosts of this hour, Evan Heffelfinger, Dan Plucker, and Sam Schmitz on The Fan. It's Toy Drive Live, the 14th annual fan toy drive benefiting Children's Wisconsin, presented by Annex Wealth Management, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, several others. Guys, it's Dan Plucker. Sam Schmitz, we're here with you. Yes, at 2.50 a.m. in the morning. We're going to be talking about the Wednesday night action in the NFL. But first, I want to say, please go onto our website. Donate at 1250amthefan.com. Cash, toys, whatever you can. We get it's a difficult year, but we would love if you could help put a smile on a children's face in need in the hospital this holiday season and beyond. Our toys go not only for this holiday season, but also into next year. Pretty much year-round, anytime a children is in the hospital, they get a toy from you. Just think about that. Think about the potential of a kid smiling because they got a teddy bear or whatever you decide to donate today, tonight. And think about just putting the joy on a kid's face at this time of the year at and, and in this hard climate that we are in now. It'd be a huge blessing to them going forward. And guys... Uh, Another blessing for us is Wendy's Big Show later today, 5 p.m. David Stearns, president of baseball operations of your Milwaukee Brewers, will break into some of the moves uh, that the Brewers have made in the last 24 hours at 3.30. But we'll talk to him about all of those moves today at 5 p.m. when David Stearns joins the Wendy's Big Show. Now, let's talk about Steelers-Ravens. Sam, because I know we both had some fantasy implications in this game, so we were watching it pretty closely, even myself, during the Wendy's Big Show today, because the game was oddly at 2.45, I think, is when kickoff was. Don't know what the heck was happening there and what the NFL was thinking, but Sam, what were your takeaways from that game? Uh, First of all, shout out to Baltimore for putting together the team that they did, because all in all, I thought they really did show up, and it was a divisional game, and it was close score and all that, but... I think that it was just obvious that Pittsburgh was just off tilt with almost no preparation with them having to deal with COVID-19 as well, James Conner and other players and stuff like that. Like I said, the, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was the the drops by the Pittsburgh wide receivers. You just don't see Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. I mean, the first pass by Ben Roethlisberger in the game, Chase Claypool just bounced off his body. So you can tell these teams are both off not having practice, not being able to game plan the way they usually would and all that. It's cool for us. We get football on Wednesday night, but if it's that quality of football and that you know little bit of time to prepare, I don't think it's worth it. But all that being said, I don't think people, because I know going to the next day and all that uh, this morning and this afternoon, all people are going to talk about in the national perspective is 
The Pittsburgh Steelers look so bad against a Baltimore Ravens team that I could barely put together a team and their offense. And they're going to be like, are the Pittsburgh Steelers not a legitimate 11 and 0 team? And that's anything but the truth. Granted, they lost Bud Dupree with a torn ACL, which is unfortunate. That's the second linebacker they've lost this year because oh, Devin yeah, Bush right. tore his ACL earlier in the season as well. I know you're a mission guy, and I'm such a big Devin Bush I fan. I love Devin Bush. And I was looking forward to him possibly being a defensive player of the year candidate if everything was. He stayed healthy, yeah. Right. But that being said, I mean, it's crazy to, it's crazy to say that minus Devin Bush, minus Bud Dupree, with Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt and all them, they're still probably the best defense in the league, I think you could say. Yeah, they probably are, and and that's, again, we talked about it when we were talking about uh, the NFC and all the threats that the Packers have. It's the next man up mentality, and the Steelers have that. They've always had that under Mike Tomlin. He's an excellent coach. I don't care what some of yeah. you say. I, he's one of the best coach, if not contending be. for the best coach in the NFL. He's, he's got to be coach of the year. He, he has to be. With I everything agree. that he's been the way he's been able to like prepare his team for these games and stuff like that with all the schedule changes and stuff like that, what they had to deal with with the Tennessee Titans situation earlier in the year, yeah. they, they basically have not had a, a, legit, a legitimate bye week this entire season. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And honestly, let's just look back to this roster three years ago or however long it was ago yeah. when they had Le'Veon Bell and uh, Antonio Brown leading the way. Those were their two guys. They have completely retooled in such a short span and amount of time, and that's after Ben Roethlisberger comes from like a devastating neck injury. You know what's crazy? They got Deontay Johnson with the draft pick that they acquired for Antonio Brown. So they quite literally got their... Granted, Deontay Johnson's still up and coming, but they quite literally, for their offense, they got their Antonio Brown replacement with the pick that they got for Antonio Brown. Absolutely. It just speaks to the organization because they hit on every single draft pick. It's insane. It is insane. And that's why they're one of the best franchises in the NFL right now. Uh, but you're right. They look sloppy in this football game against the Ravens. It was a 19 to 14 win for the Steelers in case you missed it. Hopefully you don't have it recorded and are watching it or planning into watching it when you get home from work here, but it was an ugly game. Uh, nonetheless, like you said, kudos to the, Ravens for going out there and playing a football game. They Sadly, played a lot better than I thought. They, they did. I agree. And it kind of was with a, a late touchdown from Trace McSorley, their third string quarterback. Robert Griffin III was not great in the football game. Also hurt himself a little bit. Uh, a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, at one point I saw him limping off the field with a hamstring. Yeah. Um, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully the Ravens get healthy and Lamar Jackson is back because we all know when the MVP is playing, he's one of the most electrifying players in the NFL, but you have to look at it too. The Ravens are six and five. Now they're a game above 500. It it's crunch time here for them. If they want to yeah. make a playoff run, the Browns are two games ahead of them. The Browns are eight and three Steelers undefeated still on the year. They've got a long way to go. If they want to make a run at the playoffs here in the AFC. And that's something I don't think any of us were expecting to say after their great run last year. And again, their sad first round exit after a poor performance from Lamar Jackson in that game last year. Guys, we're going to hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about all of the teams in the NFC North and their future. Do the Packers really have the best one still, even with Jordan Love going forward? It, it could very well be so. We'll talk about that next year on Sam and Dan, the producers taking over on the fan.